0: You are listening to Pastor Don Cherry from Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church, recorded July 4th, 2021. For more information about our church, you can visit our website, svbcfamily.com, or find us on all things social, at svbcfamily. I want to just say a thank you for all those who served in our military one time or another, we appreciate your willingness, your sacrifice, and you know, all for, for the freedom, for liberty, and also those who are joining us online this morning. We are grateful that you're tuning in with us, and pray that this morning's message would indeed be a blessing. You know, a thing that I'm about thankful about America is her options that are offered to us. We can work what job maybe we want. We can live where we like to live. We can drive the car that we want to drive. We can go to whatever restaurant we want to. We have these options, you know, that are a result of, in, in our freedoms and our liberty, and we're so grateful for that. But there is one thing that we do not have an option in. And I believe, according to the Word of God, that is the option of our silence. That as God's people, we cannot be silent. When we see what is taking place, not only in our country, but also in regard to our witness for Jesus Christ. Because we have been called to be a witness, we have been called to be a testimony, and we are to declare the entire truth of God's Word. And I believe that means that when we see things going on in our church, in our family, in our community, or in our nation, that we have an obligation. And I believe a right to speak up when it comes to the word of God and to share those truths with others. I want you to go to your Bible this morning. I'm going to take an Old Testament passage and tie it in with a New Testament passage. David will have these up here on the screen. But in Micah chapter 6 and verse 8, the Bible says, wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves, with calves of gold? And I'm sorry, I went to the wrong street. No, I'm there. Okay. I got to get down to verse 8. 6 and 8 look too much alike. He has shown thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. And then I'm not going to say it verbatim and everything, but it's 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 15 basically what the apostle is telling us that as believers we are to give answer when asked of the hope that is within us. The hope that we alone have as believers because we live in a day, I think today a culture today that really is grasping for hope. They're trying to find it somewhere And they're not finding any answers. They're not finding any answers in our government. They're not finding any answers coming out of Hollywood. They're not finding any answers coming out of Richmond or Charleston. They're looking for something to hold on to, something to grasp onto. And the Bible says that you and I have a hope that we need to be ready to give answer for when people come and say, where can I find hope? Where can I find hope? You know, in this world, both politically, culturally, the Bible says that we are indeed in this world, but as believers, we're not of this world because we are citizens of a greater kingdom. I'm proud to be a citizen of the United States of America. And maybe like many of you, I've traveled to different countries and everything, and I can tell you something, while I've enjoyed those travels, like Dorothy said in The Wizard of Oz, there's no place like home. And all I always look forward to coming back to my family, to my house, to my country, you see. And I'm like you, I'm burdened with what I see going on. And and I'm fearful and everything that that we as believers and everything for some reason think that we can't speak out, that we can't say anything, that we're to come with inside the church walls, let's rah-rah, let's sing about Jesus, let's amen. But when we go out, we'll just blend in with everybody. But you know, God didn't call us to blend in, did he? We're not in this world, we're not of this world, but we are indeed in this world. And I want to look at a balance today and a thing of how we as believers are to respond to our culture. How do we respond to it? And I understand everything, we're in a culture that is growing rapidly, I guess you could say, um, um, antagonistic toward anything that is God. And in particular, I believe toward anything that is Christian. Okay, We are seeing this growing antagonism coming on. So does that mean that we retreat within our church, we retreat within our home? No, because we have a greater calling. We have a higher calling, and that is the kingdom of God, which is to infect, okay, literally, our entire community. Christians today, however and unfortunately are divided. We're divided denominationally. We're divided doctrinally. In many ways, we're divided politically. There are those sitting in pews just like you who would embrace same-sex marriage and diametrically oppose to what the Word of God teach. There are those sitting in pews just like you who would embrace abortion. Matter of fact, abortion on demand in any way. Aside from what the Word of God teaches about the sacredness of life, you see. And here's one thing I I, want to make very, very clear. We are not here as believers to antagonize those who don't believe like us. We are not here to berate them. We are not here to put them down. We are here to share God's love with them. And you're not going to do that by tossing stones. And beating them over the head with sticks, you see. They must see that there is something about us that is worth inquiring about. You understand what I'm saying? You get a hold of what I'm saying today. So let's look at some things, if I may. And by the way, I'm, I'm going to make some quotations and everything. I, I don't get the Winchester Star. Many of you do. But I know that our paper there in the, journal, uh, in the Eastern Panhandle, the journal and all, they had a full-page ad that came out. And it had uh, many quotes of our founding fathers and such as like that. But it is titled, One Nation Under God, and then Blessed is the Nation Whose God is the Lord. And I think that's great. I wonder how many papers carried something like this today. You know, I'm sure they're talking about fireworks and they're talking about other things, 4th of July. But man, here we are going back to the foundation. That's God. You know, and I'm very grateful for that. So what I want to look at is the biblical roots of our nation. For just a moment, I'm not going to go into history. I'm not going to do a history lesson. I know most of you would be bored with that. But I do want us to look at at our founding fathers and what their mindset was when it came to the founding of this nation and what this nation was founded upon. You'll have to forgive me for, you know, uh, opening the paper here. But John Adams said this, We have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions unbridled by morality and religion. Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. And then Benjamin Franklin said, I've lived, sir, a long time. And the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth, that God governs in the affairs of men. If a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice... It is probable that an empire can rise without his aid. We've been assured in the sacred writings that unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. I firmly believe this, and I also believe that without his concurring aid, we shall succeed in this political building no better than the builders of Babel. John Jay, who was the first Supreme Court Justice, Said the Bible is the best of all books, for it is the Word of God and teaches us the way to be happy in this world and in the next. Continue, therefore, to read it and to regulate your life by its precepts. Joseph Story, another U.S. Supreme Court Justice, said, One of the beautiful boasts of our municipal jurisprudence is that Christianity is a part of the common law. There never has been a period in which the common law did not recognize Christianity as laying at its foundations. I verily believe Christianity necessary to the support of civil society. And then a uh, judiciary uh, report back in 1853 said this, We are a Christian people, not because the law demands it, not to gain exclusive benefits or to avoid legal disability, uh, disabilities, but from choice and education. And in a land thus universally Christian, what is to be expected, what desired, but that we shall pay due regard to Christianity. And I'll close with this. This is a Supreme Court decision in 1892. It said, there is no dissonance in these legal declarations. These are not individual sayings, declarations of private persons. They are organic, legal, governmental utterances. They speak the voice of the entire people. These and many other matters which might be noticed add a volume of unofficial declarations to the mass of organic utterances that this is a Christian nation. Now this is from our founders These are from those who discovered this country. These are from those who wanted to find a place where they could worship God. They weren't looking for a place to get rich or to build their own empire. They just wanted to come to place and worship God according to the word of God, according to the dictates of their conscience. And in the forming of this nation, we see how the word of God was in the foundation of our country. In the foundation of our laws. Think about our laws for just a moment, folks. We have laws in this country against premeditated murder. Where did that come from? Thou shalt not kill. We have laws against theft. Where did that come from? Thou shalt not steal. We have uh, other laws. We have laws about a fair trial that there must be witnesses, right? Well, where did that come from? The Bible says at the mouth of two or three witnesses shall a matter be. So we see that our jurisprudence, we see that our law, we see the very underpinnings of this nation came as a result of those who believed in the God of the Bible and the truth of the Scriptures, you look at the founding of this country, and as this country began to expand, you see that in those original colonies and first colonies that often the very first building that was built served as both a church and a schoolhouse. And in that schoolhouse, you find that the primary textbook was the Word of God, was indeed the Bible that men lived from. We listen to the words of our founders, but we live in a time today When we are seeing the basis of our law, the basis and underpinnings of our culture being shredded, our Constitution, and particularly the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, the Fourth, and the Fourteenth Amendment. Almost like, you know, we, we can just disregard this because people feel different, so we can shred the law. And it's going to be real easy to jump on our politicians. It's going to be real easy to jump on our governments. It's going to be real easy to jump on our media and such as like that. But, you know, they're shredding the Constitution. But listen, there is another document being shredded, I believe, today. And that is the document of the Word of God. And by that I mean it is not being shredded by government. It is not being shredded by Hollywood. It is being shredded by the people who sit in the pews of our churches today. And we need to think about this and think seriously. We are in this world, but we're not of this world. We are, there is something different about us who claim the name of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to deal with that in just a moment. But here we sit. And how are we unlike the world that we are not of? Yes, we're in, but we're not to be of. How? Because why? If any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creature, old things are passed away. All things become new. Now we are to look at the things of God that guide and direct us and the Word as a lamp under our feet, light on our path. And listen, I get it. I get it. Every one of us struggle one way or another, don't we? Okay? We all have things. I dealt with in Sunday school this morning. We all have things that we, that we wish we hadn't have done. We all have things that wish we hadn't have said. Look, we struggle. It's a battle. It's a continual conflict. I get that. But I also know this. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And when Scripture says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that means I can overcome the flesh. I know I'm going to lose from time to time. But it doesn't have to govern me. It doesn't have to dictate to me. It doesn't have to dominate me. And just like I mentioned this morning, we have those sitting in our pews whose homes are shambles. We have those sitting in our pews who embrace the things of this culture, be it abortion, be it same-sex marriage, be it various other things. We have those in our churches today sitting in our pews today who are in counseling because of alcoholism, drug abuse, pornography use, sexual addictions. Come to church on Sunday, but then nobody can tell the difference Monday through Saturday. This is not where God would have us to be, dear friend. He has called us as citizens of his kingdom. And while we are thankful that we're citizens of America, we are members of a greater kingdom. And therefore, it should be the word of God that is our constitution. Yes, we support the constitution of this nation. Yes, that is the founding of this nation. But it is the word of God that when our constitution is no longer, the word of God will stand. Because it is forever settled in heaven, you see. And it's not going anywhere. So how do we respond? How do we engage our culture? Well, I think first of all, that we have to realize that we are called to love others, aren't we? the greatest command you see it right up here we're to love god supremely and let me tell you something if we are loving god supremely if loving god is the priority of our life you know what we're not going to have a problem loving others listen i got to tell you something everything i i get kind of um from a human standpoint i get aggravated at people that's all there is to it okay Especially working at Lowe's, the people that I see coming in. You know, sometimes the people that I have to deal with. You know, I've heard other workers there say, many times say, man, I'd really enjoy working here if it wasn't for people. You know? Well, there's an old adage in ministry. We preachers used to say, you know, ministry would be a great place if it wasn't for people. Right, Scott? You know? Yeah. But ministry is people. And our calling is to people, you see. Because here's the bottom line, folks. I want you to tell me, and I'll just open this up as a question to the auditorium today. I want you to tell me, where will people find hope and love and acceptance if they don't find it with God's people? Where are they going to find it? In a political party? That ain't going to happen. Yeah, we may not agree with the color of somebody's hair, We may not agree with what parts of their bodies are pierced. We may not agree with the art, the design they have flowing on their limbs. But you know what? That's just the material. There's a soul there that Jesus Christ gave himself for, just like he did us. And i tell you one thing, and I know church has been guilty of this, and also I don't mind saying this and all, but too often and everything, we try to clean up the outside before we get the inside cleaned up. Let me tell you something. Present Jesus, he'll clean up the inside, the outside will follow. That's not our job. Our job is to be the light, amen? Our job is to give the message of the gospel. <laughs> you know, Paul made the statement. He said that I may know him in loving God that I may know Him. But look where Paul wanted to, uh, to know Him from. He said, I want to know Him in the fellowship of His suffering and in the power of His resurrection. Now, I want you to think about that for just a minute. The fellow, I, he said, I want to know what it was when Christ suffered for me. And he said, I want to know what it was like when He came forth from that grave and He rose from the tomb. You know what? He, you know how he wanted to know Christ from A to Z? He wanted to know Jesus in his totality. That was Paul's priority. That's what he wanted to see. That was his love for his God, you see. What about us today? Do we have that kind of desire, hunger, and thirst for he who is righteous? To love others as we've shared. And then I want us to look. I'm going to give you three things here on how to respond. How do we respond, engage our culture today? I'm going to give you three scriptures and we'll speak on those for just a moment. Matthew chapter 10, verse 16 says that we, as believers, as Christ followers, are to be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. Wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Now, I got to tell you something, okay? My image of wisdom is not a snake, okay? But in ancient culture, it was. Ancient culture lifted up the serpent as a wise and cunning being. And oftentimes in ancient writings and such like that, pictures and all, you will see snakes in there. Because they saw them as wise beings. By the way, that word wise all doesn't mean intellectual. That word wise means prudent, cautious, and with common sense. We're to be prudent. We're to be cautious. We're to use common sense. Would you agree with me that common sense has kind of gone out the window in our culture today? I mean, you got people with degrees all over the place and everything, but it's like they don't have sense to pour pee out of boot. You know? No common sense whatsoever. And yet that's what God says we are is use common sense, be prudent. Where do we find that? We find that in the Word of God. As the Word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We find God's wisdom in God's Word, you see. I'll never forget. I don't like snakes. I know most women in here don't. There might be some of you guys that, you know, like to pick them up and pat them and everything. But let me tell you, I, I don't, to me, best snake's a dead snake. I love seeing one crawl across the road. And I will speed up to nail that t- sucker, buddy. Anyway, I'll never forget when I first moved to West Virginia. There were some guys of the church that came and said, Hey, would you like to go snake hunting with us? I thought, Hey, that sounded good. I'll blow a few of them away, no problem. And so I said, so what do you all use? Do you all use pistol, rifle, something like that? He said, oh, no. We catch them and then let them go. I said, are you stupid? (laughs) If I'm going to catch one and everything, I'm cutting his head off. You know, I ain't letting him go so he can turn around and bite me or somebody else. You know, don't like snakes. But yet God's word said, hey, we need to be wise like they are. We need to be prudent. We need to be cautious and harmless as doves. You know, I know we're all worried about offending somebody, okay? But here's the thing. If we're going to be salt and light, if we are going to be who God wants to, you know what, they're going to get offended regardless. They're going to offend it regardless. So don't worry about that. But be who God called us to be. He called us to be his witness. He called us to be his testimony. He didn't call call us to be silent. He called us to step forth and use the avenues that we have to share God's word. And we have those avenues, folks. We live in a country that's still free enough where we can call into a radio station, we can write to a newspaper, we can get a hold of our congressman and everything, we can write letters, we can be involved. You say, yeah, but, you know, people get mad at me. Hey, guess what? They got mad enough at Jesus, they put him on a cross. They're going to get mad at us. You can't worry about that. Then in Matthew five thirteen, Jesus said that we are to be both salt and light. Now, we know a couple things about salt, okay? It gives taste and also preserves, doesn't it? I mean, before refrigeration came and everything, meat was packed in salt, okay, for preservative. Now, I have to tell you something. You know another thing about salt is really neat is salt, when it's mixed, obviously, in food, you know know it's there, but you don't see it. Really. Wise as serpents, harmless as doves, you know we're there, you know. But it's not us they see. It's Christ. They need to see through us. Now, I was raised— our family didn't salt anything. anything, just the way they did it, you know. Grandma didn't use salt much. My mother, who wasn't much of a cook, and all didn't use it and everything. And I was one of those weirdos that when we went to McDonald's and everything, I asked for fries without salt. You know, I just didn't, I wanted to lather and ketchup and everything. I didn't want any salt on it. You know. Well, I married into a family that I think they owned stock. salt mines I mean they put it on everything you can imagine they they put salt on watermelon who put salt on watermelon are you people nuts (laughs) watermelon is crisp it's sweet it's juicy and you're gonna throw salt onto it you know that's that's like putting whipped cream on pecan pie who does that Yeah, yeah. You know, whipped cream's good on anything, isn't it? You can put that on green beans, man. I mean, that's good on anything. But salt and light to season, to preserve. We live in a nation we've already seen, that which our founding fathers believed in. And literally, were willing to give their lives and their fortunes for. We're seeing those things be shredded, and we wonder, we wonder, why is this? Why are we? Why are we here? Heard the words of a song that said, "Those who are in our schools of one generation will be in our government the next." We had a generation where we removed God, didn't we? We took prayer out of the school, we removed the Bible, God can't be named. We don't have Christmas break anymore, we have winter break. We don't have Easter break anymore, we have spring break. We've removed God from the psyche of American children, and now those children are going up. They are in our government, and we wonder why our government's messed up like it is. No conscience. No knowledge of God. No foundation with which to stand upon. We're to be salt and light. And lastly, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. And I'll just let you fill in the blanks. Speak blank and blank. Come on, folks, you know it. We are to speak the truth and love. Speak truth and love. That's how we're to do. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. Of course, that's a great chapter, God's love chapter, defining what love is, how love is shown, how love is realized and such. And then he said that, 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 that these three are what is given, and that is faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of this is love. Why is that? Because God's love. And we as God's children are to reflect God's love whether it's politically, whether it's educationally, whether it's economically, whether it's spiritually, we are to reflect God's love and that God's love would indeed drive us in every aspect of our life. Speak truth, dear friend, but do it in love. You can get your point across. You can take a ball back and get your point across, okay? But the message isn't going to be received. But when we have concern, When we look past skin color, when we look past hair color, when we look past all these other peripheral things, and we see into the very soul of an individual, then love will motivate us because we realize that without Christ, there is an eternal hell waiting for that soul. We don't hear about that a lot in our churches today, do we? Man, we want to hear the good things. Tickle my ear, preacher. I want to feel good going out the door. And I'm glad, you know, that we can come. We can be encouraged. We can get into the Word of God. We can fellowship one another. And we can have fun coming to church. But when we get outside the doors, we need to realize those people that we are coming in contact with have an eternal destination that if they don't know Christ, they're going to go to hell. Sorry. I just got some people offended. But you know what? It's the truth. It's the truth. You see. And boy, I tell you, if there is a day and a time when a good dose of truth is needed, we live in it today, folks. We live in it today. So I close with this. May we see past skin color, past cultural differences, past any character issue, To the eternal soul of those created in his image, those who Jesus loves and died for. Would you bow your heads, please?